So, hi everybody, this is Benjamin from Sports TechX. Today I, ha I have the pleasure to speak to Jay from Subpreneur. Uh, Subpreneur is uh, a solution that helps sports ride holders, brands, and broadcasters to score with powerful augmented reality technology. I'm super curious to find out more about it, but first of all, hi Jay. Morning, Benjamin, how are you? I'm very good, happy to speak to you this morning. And uh, I would suggest that we jump right in and uh, speak a bit about you as a person. So, uh, yeah, why don't you share uh, who you are, what you've done in the past, and what you're up to now? Sure. I, I always like to sort of describe myself in, in very simple terms as sort of an optimistic uh, pessimist, um, you know, a lucky husband and a, and a cool uncle, at least uh, try to be. Um, you know, I've been involved in technology uh, for a fairly long time of my career, this is the sixth time I've been a CEO, um, but always, you know, very different technologies, very different industries. So I, I often parachute into sectors, quite frankly, which I, I know nothing about and uh, always has a very steep learning curve, which uh, I, I very much enjoy the, the, uh, the, the challenge of, of learning, uh, constant learning, learning new things and, and trying to as well bring some experience I've had from uh, previous companies, previous industries and in, into other areas where they may be able to take advantage of, of things that can work uh, across industry. Very nice. Seems like you're not afraid of uh, new things. And uh, I think very often it helps uh, to jump into an industry without having much knowledge. And then you have like a, uh, a very free and open mind when you approach new things. So I guess that's also an advantage if you tackle your, your adventures. Absolutely. I, I sort of enjoy asking um, some stupid questions and, you know, sort of challenging the status quo and, and looking for different ways um, to think about things. I, I always believe that one of the great ways to create value is to, you know, redefine something um, in, in a, a new and more powerful way that it, it that creates more value for a larger part of the ecosystem in, in which you work. Um, and, you know, this is an industry that is incredibly tribal, very relationship oriented, very conservative, but there is, a, it's a wash with, uh, you know, a lot of money that goes into it and, uh, you know, trying to bring um, some additional discipline and um, sort of collaboration mentality to it. Um, you know, coming from the tech sector, the software business, you know, I'm used to competing with somebody one day and collaborating with them the next, because overall it's, uh, it, it's how you grow an industry. So, you know, we're, we're trying to take that approach of, you know, you know, broadening uh, our definition of partners and, and uh, both to make sure that we partner with our clients this for mutual benefit, but also that we work with, you know, other stakeholders, you know, in the ecosystem to help give them some additional value for wanting to work with us. Yeah. And now you dived into the, the sports industry, the sports ecosystem. Um, which problem is it that you're actually solving there? Well, the, well, the challenge is that there is a uh, you know an, an ever rising cost of broadcast and, and sponsorship fees to participate in, in top tier sports. So it's becoming ever harder to justify those those increasing costs. So if if you're a broadcaster is being asked to you know pay ever higher cost, you know you need new ways to help justify those costs and to get value out of what you're doing. If you're a sponsor, uh, a brand which ultimately pays for everything and and top tier sport, you know, you needed additional tools and, and ways to create value. And once you remember for every um, euro, pound or dollar that gets invested, you know, in, in sports sponsorship, there's typically one or two more that are spent in, in activation. So um, it's we're, we're trying to provide some some tools and methods to do that. And, and we when we do that through you know, audience segmentation. 
uh, effectively, we work with TV visible signage. So this is the signage that we see on the sidelines of the pitch in a football match, for example, that, that typically has brand advertising and things like this. Um, this is a, is a great way to communicate with, with, with fans, both in the stadium, but also that are watching the broadcast around the world. But unfortunately, one of the challenges is that uh, you're often having to, you know, a single message for the entire world. Um, we, we've seen both the, the proliferation of a, a number of Chinese brands, for example, that are advertising uh, in some of the European football leagues that uh, are sort of meaningless to, um, you know, locals that are watching the matches. And, and of course, you know, those Chinese brands are having to pay for you know, global reach when all they're really looking for is domestic reach in their, in their home market. Television is, is still the only mass market medium on the planet. And if you, but the challenge is it's very much a, a blunt instrument um, it, because you have to have one message for all. And, you know, top tier sport is, is really the only way that you can reach a lot of people at the same time in a live in, environment. But even global brands really struggle to get value out of a single message to the entire world. So, you know, we help those brands, if they're global brands, you know, tailor the message to, to fans that are more relevant, more interesting, um, and, and more actionable, and also allow you know, some of the leagues and clubs to work with more uh, regional or local sponsors and give them a way to activate or engage with fans in, the, in their local market in a way that they have, can't do today. So it, it's, it is a way to create additional value uh, for, for you know, everyone in the ecosystem, from the, the leagues and the clubs, who we'd call sort of the rights holders, you know, the, the broadcasters, both the, the domestic broadcasters and those broadcasters that are international that receive the, um, the, the feeds that they rebroadcast in their home markets. And of course, you know, ultimately the sponsors. And, um, you, know, you know, it's important that we create additional value for all those important stakeholders. Yeah, it sounds like the dream scenario for everybody involved there. Uh, the big question, of course, is how exactly does it work? How do you create those tailor-made, uh, localized value-bringing solutions? And what is so special about your solution? Well, I th we, we start by, you know, we've started, our core focus has been on, you know, the uh, perimeter signage or the TV visible signage, because that's the, the most highly visible um, you know, most impactful because it's right in the heart of the action. Um, and, and today, you know, this, this signage has evolved from, from being literally painted signs to being printed signs to having signs that are um, static, but then rot rotated, you know, physically rotated. And of course, now they're animated with, with LED signs. Um, we allow, our technology uh, allows us to overlay, to actually replace what you physically see on the broadcast with something that's virtual. So what people see in the stadium and what people see in the broadcast um, are different. And we can tailor those uh, for working with a linear broadcaster, so a traditional broadcaster. Um, you know, we can tailor those you know, typically by region. Um, so people in different countries will see different messages. Um, we can also, of course, when you're looking at uh, over the top or streaming kinds of things, you know, we can tailor that message by, you know, a platform. So a certain pay TV operator, um, it could be by device. So if you're on an iPhone, you see one thing. If you're on a, if you're on a, a, a iPad, you might see something different. Um, and of course, we can also um, tailor it right down to the individual level by integrating with, you know, a third party targeting engine. So we can start to have messages that are really tailored more specifically to the individual that could be around, you know, demographic, psychographic or behavioral information or, you know, what they do online or, you know, 
they could be logged into a, to a site where they have a, some sort of a membership and they, that membership knows something about them so they can play them content that's relevant. And of course, that also becomes interactive. So the fan watching can actually you know, touch and click on the boards and create some kind of activity um, that the brand may have developed to interact with uh, the fan to, to get them um, playing with um, you know, their messages. Yeah, that, that's obviously a super cool uh, solution. And uh, yeah, like you said before, that I, it, it immediately makes sense that it creates some value for, for sponsors and everybody who's involved. Um, uh, of course, the question is, what is the challenging part in this? Uh, I'm sure you get asked a lot, does it also work when players are in front of the LEDs or the, the banners? Um, or is it the part where um, uh, you said that it gets interactive? What, what is it from your perspective? Well, there's two sets of challenges. Um, you know, the, the first is a challenge around quality. So that was a great example, you know, if somebody's in front of the board. So the, the difficult part is to differentiate between the background and the foreground. So the background is a piece of signage, for example. The foreground could be a player uh, or a ball, or if, you're, if it's ice hockey, you know, it could be a, a hockey puck or a hockey stick. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to do that with, with you know, broadcast quality in, in real time. Uh, most people will be familiar with um, uh, green screen or weatherman technology. It's been around for 40 years uh, where they effectively literally paint a, a wall green and, and use that to superimpose things uh, digitally within the broadcast. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that technology is uh, sort of cheap and cheerful. It, it's uh, very effective for what it is. Uh, but of course, it has severe um, production and quality limitations. Um, and is suited for this kind of environment. So instead of using color to differentiate between the background and foreground, we use light, specifically um, non-visible light in the near-infrared spectrum. Um, so effectively, we the surface or the background itself is either needs to emit or absorb infrared light in a certain wavelength for us. Um, and we have a number of ways that we do that. Um, and, and then we put a special device um, on, on the broadcast camera it effectively, it works with a standard broadcast camera and lens. You know, the, the regular broadcast goes straight through, um, but it, it pulls off two channels of infrared, a black and a white channel, and that effectively gives us um, the data that we need to create um, a key, which drives our system, which tells it in real time down to the sort of quarter pixel level, whether it should be um, letting the broadcast come straight through or it should be letting us put a, a virtual overlay. And so, you know, that's, that's about, you know, 12 million computations per second um, in, in a typical uh, high definition broadcast. So there's a, there's a lot going on, uh, but quality is, is the single most important thing because you can't put at risk, you know, the billions that are paid for, you know, broadcast fees and, and sponsorship rights. Um, that, that's what makes it so difficult. So I think, um, you know, that's the first set of challenge. You know, we've, this company's been around for more than 15 years. It's been 10 years in the laboratory. Um, it had a lot of um, challenging lessons to learn when it first started going out and into the field and learning what's different from a laboratory in, in the real world. But, uh, you know, we're now entering our fifth uh, commercial season with, in, in La Liga. Um, we're about to enter our first season in uh, the Bundesliga. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the quality uh, is... Uh, markedly evolved to the point where you know it is you know broadly acceptable um, you know to all the top tier uh, rights holders you know now actively looking at it. So I think that's the, been the first challenge: is the technology have the quality? Is it consistent? Is it repeatable? Um, and it's taken 
you know, many tens of millions of euros of investment and, uh, and more than a decade of, of effort to get to the point where I can, we can now say yes. Um, the, the next challenge is in, in on, more on the, uh, the industry side. You know, as I said earlier, this is a, a challenging business. There's a lot of stakeholders and many of those stakeholders need to want to see us succeed because many of them can be blockers. So while we might, our clients are typically the rights holders, the, the league or the clubs, you know, we also have to integrate into the broadcast workflow. So we have to, you know, we have to work uh, very closely in, in planning and implementation and, and deployment operations with the host broadcaster, the one that's actually doing the filming of the matches. Um, you know, and, and obviously the sponsors, um, you know, although we don't sell to the sponsors directly, you know, they have to want to have this kind of um, reach uh, to, to, to fans around the world. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, things that you need to sort of line up. And what makes that difficult is, you know, trying to implement this technology in the middle of an existing rights cycle when many of those rights, who owns what, who pays for what, who, who does what, are already defined and you're coming in the middle of that. So that's why it's important that um, you provide value for each of those. Um, our intention is, you know, once you get deployed and people are uh, used to it and, and know it's coming, then it can be, you know, sort of permanently built into the structure of the right cycle when that next right cycle comes up. And in Europe, that's typically every three years. Um, so the good news is we make the pie larger. Um, so there can be something there for everyone. Um, the, the challenge is, you know, ultimately who pays for it, uh, who, who monetizes it, who gets the risk and rewards from it. Um, and, and that's really a debate amongst the, the rights holder, the, you know, the leagues and the clubs and the broadcasters um, you know, and the sponsors about, you know, how those rights, obligations and opportunities are, are divided up amongst them. Yeah, and just one question that popped up in my mind. You said that you're uh, already active since more than a decade, which I didn't know. Would you still consider yourself a startup then? <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, you know, we... Uh, I think I stole this quote from somebody, but, you know, we're an overnight success, 15 years in the making. Um, we are still very much an early stage technology in an emerging market. If you think about it, if you look at the, you know, the life cycle of a business, um, you know, because, you know, we've pioneered the space. We are the only uh, currently uh, commercially deployed current generation technology out there. We have a number of early stage competitors that are, you know, trying to nip at our heels and, and, uh, and do a better job than we are. Uh, and that, that's actually a good sign because that means the market's starting to, to attract competition and uh, means it will start to mature. But, you know, yes, we very much are a startup and we, we have to remind ourselves every day to think that way, um, that, um, you know, never take anything for granted when our technology is amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's quite robust, quite capable, but, you know, never assume that somebody can't figure out a way to do it, um, you know, better, faster, cheaper. Um, and uh, the fact that, um, you know, we, we have to continually improve what we do, make it, you know, reduce the cost and complexity of deployment, um, you know, make it more uh, deployable by more people. Um, and it's a big world out there. You know, we've, we've yeah. for the most part, had deployments in, you know, European football, um, you know, and about two years ago, we started, you know, working in North America as well, where we've worked with uh, and deployed commercially with the, the NFL and the NHL and we're, you know, obviously looking for more activities and more sports um, in both of those markets and around the world. And we haven't really even begun to focus on Asia and Latin America, which are both very um, lucrative uh, 
markets. So we've got a long way to go, um, yeah. you know, before we can uh, say that we're not a startup. And I think the mindset of a startup is, is always good to keep. Try to stay nimble. Try to be um, willing to, uh, to to change your mind and, um, you know, be willing to, you know, to, to, to sacrifice what you've built to create something better if that's if that's ultimately what the opportunity is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you just already uh, touched my next question already. I uh, wanted to speak about some success uh, success stories or metrics that you uh, might be able to share. Uh, you said that you were working with uh, La Liga and you also signed a deal with uh, the Bundesliga for the next season, I believe. Um, uh, what else is there uh, to mention? Well, I, I can talk about, we obviously are not at um, liberty to, to, to share the um, financial arrangements of our clients in terms of what they've been able to um, deliver from a value standpoint for themselves. But we can talk a little bit about if you you know look in um, in Spain with La Liga, um, our, our, our client there is a company called MediaPro. Uh, MediaPro uh, does all of the host production on behalf of La Liga. Um, and, and then they represent the rights uh, as well as of all the small clubs. So that, in other words, not um, Real Madrid and not Uh, FC Barcelona, but all the other 18 clubs. Um, so, you know, obviously before we came along, you could effectively have, you could sell, you sell the sort of signage by the minute. Um, and, you know, you have one set of minutes, they're global. Today, they're, they're doing 10 feeds. Um, so they have 10 times as much inventory uh, as they had four years ago. Um, so that gives you an indication. That doesn't mean it's 10 times as much revenue, but it gives you a sense of, you know, 10 times as much inventory they're able to deliver uh, to sponsors, and that continues to grow. Um, mid part of last season, we, we started to grow that business a bit. We, we introduced a new product. Actually, we're on behalf of La Liga itself. Um, so if you're familiar with the sort of three-dimensional optical carpets you see on either side of the, of the goal, Yeah. Um, they look like they're standing up, but they're but they're not. It's an optical illusion. Um, you know, we created a product to, to basically um, you know replace those and, and virtualize those and, and do different feeds. And you know, we worked with La Liga, so where they brought on some sponsors from both China and from Asia, um, and and started to you know virtualize some of those to be different for different markets. Um, and you know, this this season they're looking to expand that to even more games and and more sponsors. And, and, you know, we know that's helped create, you know, additional millions in, in revenue for them. So, um, you know, it's been a very powerful tool and it's also a way that they can deal with more sponsors who want a closer relationship directly with the league um, and not just necessarily with the clubs where they can provide a consistent uh, message uh, branding across all the games. Um, so we think that's a very powerful thing. It's, it's, a, it's a different product than the the uh, perimeter signage one I described to you er earlier, but it's built off the sort of same technology, although it's a little simpler to deploy. Um, but, you know, we think it's also very powerful. So, and being able to combine those two together uh, is, a, is a great example of, of uh, you know, growing uh, our capabilities and, and growing the business that we have with an existing uh, client over time. Yeah, sounds definitely like a, a powerful tool. Uh, I think it's clear by now how it works and what the value out of it is for uh, the involved parties. Um, let's speak about uh, a topic we didn't explore that much yet. Um, a couple of minutes ago, I think you said that you uh, are not targeting sponsors directly. So I'm wondering, how does your business model work? Who uh, are you selling it to? And uh, where where does the contact to the sponsors happen then? Good question. So we 
you know, we target for the most part in, in terms of who our clients are, typically the rights holders. So that could be La Liga or, or it could be a club or it could be, you know, uh, Media Pro. Um, but, you know, we, we think it's uh, very important that, you know, we um, communicate and, and recognize that, you know, we have rights holders as, as an audience. We have broadcasters and, and, and sponsors as well. So one of the things we're trying to do is work more closely with those sponsors through their, their agencies, their activation agencies and their creative agencies. Um, so, for example, in, in Germany, in, uh, in the Bundesliga, our partner there is Lagadere Sports. They represent seven of the 18 clubs. Um, you know, they are a, a, an activation and sports rights agency. Um, so they, they are go-between, effectively, between the clubs that are the rights holder and, and, and the sponsors. So they're the ones that are helping us to monetize it, to carry the message, um, and, and um, you know, go out and speak to the sponsors and get them signed up for us. And the way our you know, business model works is you know, we're a technology solutions provider. So we, we license our technology um, you know, ultimately to what we would call the rights holder, which, again, is typically the, the club or the league. But it, that often can get passed from it could get passed from the from a league to a broadcaster, for example. And we certainly see in the future where broadcasters may end up being our direct client if they end up having the rights to do the monetization of that TV visible signage. Um, broadcasters fit the, the profile very well because um, one could argue um, that a broadcaster might not be much more than an ad sales machine with content sort of attached on the side because they, they do a lot of monetization already, selling interstitial ads and things like this. So this is just another product that they can uh, bundle in with those the other sponsorship things that they do. Um, we we do often get some exposure to the value of the rights, um, you, you know, depending on it, it, it's sort of on a case by case basis. Um, some of our clients we work with, you know, pay us a sort of fixed fee per match, um, which is typically based upon the media value we help create. So there is a difference between, you know, one football game and the other. Um, and, and others, um, you know, want to see us have a, a more variable kind of approach that might be a, a lower initial fee, but you know, share in the value, the actual value that they're creating, um, you know, with some, you know, um, upside from that perspective. So we do a mix of those things. To, and it's always up to the rights holder to decide how they want to engage with us, what makes them comfortable. That's how we structure something. As I said, when we started this conversation, you know, this is a very tribal business. It's it's very relationship oriented. It's very conservative. You know, we're not going to get um, the, these major audiences of ours to, to overnight just change every way they do things. So we, we found it's much more effective that, you know, we work the way they work and make ourselves accommodating for that. Change comes over time, but we're not the ones, we're not trying to force through change that's unnecessary for our success. Yeah, that's definitely a good way to, to tackle it. Uh, like I said, it's a conservative industry, it takes a while. So do it step by step and then you'll hopefully ultimately reach a goal. But uh, yeah, thanks for sharing those insights about uh, business model. That was very interesting. Um, yeah, like I said before, I think we, we know how the solution works. Uh, we know who you're targeting. We know your business model now. Uh, let's look a bit into the future. Um, are there some specific, uh, specific things that are coming up uh, in the next couple of months that uh, are worth uh, sharing? Well, obviously we have a lot of things in the works and, and many of those we're never able to talk about until they're um, finalized. But, um, you know, we certainly in, in the first half of this uh season of football season you know we should have a couple of very exciting announcements about um adding some um you know 
uh, one or two of the world's largest clubs to our to our client roster, um, and and another European league, which we think we're very close to to finalizing with a partner. We'll also be announcing uh, a number of partnerships. Uh, one of the things that we've, we've done to really try to uh, grow our business um, is ultimately trying to develop relationships with people and organizations that already have the relationships we need to be successful. So, you know, just like we've done with Lagadere in Germany, we have um, some other of those coming along um, of um, rights agencies we may be partnering with um, both in, in Europe and in the U.S. Um, and we're hopeful that we'll be, you know, launching into a, into a new sport in North America um, midway through through the season. So we have a couple of those that we're working on and we're fairly confident at least one of those will come off, but uh, you never know till the, the ink is dry uh, on all those things. There's a lot of, you know, expansion activity and, and additional uh, partnership activity. So I think that those will be the, the really exciting things because, you know, as we teach others, you know, how to fish, so to speak, they can go out and help us scale and grow uh, without us having to to do everything ourselves, and that's that's really the next stage of our maturity, is working with and through partners uh, to scale the business. That also means sharing the wealth a bit and let others benefit from what we're doing because they'll help us do it more um, uh, faster, you know, with less risk, um, and means that we can scale more rapidly than we could on our own. Very smart approach, and it uh, sounds like you have exciting things coming up. I just wondered uh, if somebody's interested to uh, follow the, your activities and the, the deals you might be signing and the partnerships, what's the best way to do so? Follow your Twitter account, go to your website. What, what would you say is the best way? Uh, well, a little bit of both. I mean, uh, Twitter, we obviously put you know new, news out on uh, regularly, um, and I think that's a, a good way. But uh, the website, you know, we tend to post uh, more in-depth uh, press and, 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 and articles and things about that come out in the, by third parties about us. Um, you can subscribe to a, a newsletter on our website as well. And, and actually, one of the great things about the website is you know, we have a lot of uh, videos you can look at, all of which were you know, live, real-time, commercially broadcast matches. So you can see what we do in different sports, um, which I think is, is, a, is a lot of fun. And that's starting to grow some of the things that we're doing there. So we'd love uh, more to follow us. And uh, we also welcome anybody who has an interest in trying to work with us. We're, we're always looking for you know, like-minded partners uh, to help us take our message and, and our uh, solutions around the world. Great. Anything else that we missed in this interview or that we did not cover yet? Well, I guess sort of watch this space. As I said earlier, you know, a, a lot's going on. Um, you know, we think that we're really taking ourselves beyond sort of the core product that we started with and, and really looking at being a, you know, a, you know, a, whole solutions provider and, and, and trying to, you know, really partner in ways that um, we don't think the industry has really done in the past. So we, we hope that people will see some uh, exciting things, but also some things that help redefine um, how different stakeholders work in the industry. So watch this space again. <laughs> Good one. Uh, I have one very last question. It uh, doesn't have to do anything with with uh, Subpreneur necessarily, uh, but it's more about the way you work. Um, is there any productivity hack that helps you to be productive in your work life? You know, um, the proliferation of electronic communication, you know, email, uh, I've got at least a dozen messaging apps on my phone. Um, you know, it's supposed to make life easier and, and some, somehow it makes it harder. Um, I've tried a lot of different things, um, you know, about how I keep up with that. Uh, you know, I used to glance at things and then put them off for the afternoon. But 
you know, one thing I found is effective. If, if, if you look at something and you can do away with it by responding to it, do it right then, right there. Um, and, and, you know, put it, put it behind you because, uh, anything else, you end up finding that things get, uh, left behind inadvertently. So, um, um, that's, that's about as good as I can from a productivity hack. Um, um, I'm always looking for others. So love to hear what, uh, other of your interviews, um, might've produced. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm thinking about coming up with an article at some point when I collected, uh, enough of them, uh, we're heading towards the 50th episode, so that might be a good moment to share what uh, other entrepreneurs and, and uh, startup founders said. So, um, yeah, but thanks for, for sharing that one. Uh, it's a basic one, but it's a good one, especially if, if uh, you talk about things that can be done immediately and don't take too much time. Uh, I think then it's worth to, to tackle them right away and have them off your chest and you know that it's done. Um, so, yeah, that, that worked for me as well. All right. Um, we're at the end of the podcast. Jay, thank you very much for those insights. Uh, very interesting things you're on to. And uh, all I can say at the end is that I wish you all the best for the future. And uh, thanks again for being in the podcast. Thank you, Benjamin. I appreciate the uh, invitation. And I look forward to uh, listening to, to more of your interviews in the future. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All right, you too. Bye-bye.